2: Hello and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, the Friday DFS edition. My name is Andrew Laird. Joining me today is not Scott Genstead which is why I'm the one talking right now, but Jerry Donabedian, who has filled in for Scott. Scott's away uh, on business this week. So we've got Jerry to fill in, um, who Jerry was here earlier this season, and he's back. So Jerry, welcome
1: back. Thank you. It is good to be back.
2: We've got kind of a weird... Slate uh, coming up before we dive into that, my apologies. thank you to Yahoo Fantasy Sports for sponsoring this podcast. Um, we're very appreciative of that. just it allows us to keep this podcast going. Um, but yeah, we've got a 10 game slate, uh, and the one that jumps out, like I feel like the question that you need to answer like right away is, what do you do about Christian McCaffrey? Um, he's 10500 on DraftKings. He's the same price on FanDuel. Obviously, the FanDuel um, salary cap is higher, but it's a gigantic jump between McCaffrey and the next highest player, which um, on uh, DraftKings is Saquon Barkley at 8800 and it's Michael Thomas at 8700 on FanDuel. Uh, we have talked about uh, off the podcast, and a lot of people have talked about Christian McCaffrey this season. And he's just not expensive enough for how good he is, and he really should be more expensive. He hit ten thousand on DraftKings last week. He's even more expensive this week with a bigger gap between the next highest price player. So, Jerry, what are you doing about Christian McCaffrey this week?
1: Yeah, this is a tricky one, because uh, I think I mean he's still, in terms of the production that we've seen relative to the price, he's still the best value. Like he has been. Every week this season, uh, except maybe like you know Jalen Samuels last week, but definitely at the top of the price scale. But then you look at Saquon Barkley on both sites, and I'm pretty tempted by that. You're getting a you know basically the same type of ceiling and a discount, uh, and I I like the idea of putting them both together in a lineup. But you obviously are going to run into some other issues there, <laughs> especially on DraftKings, yep. like issues at every other position.
2: Right. People will try it, though. I mean, there's no reason not to at least see how low you have to go everywhere else. But you're right. It does get pretty ugly pretty quickly. Um, it it feels like one of these things that you were like, if I could guarantee you 35 fantasy points, would you pay 10,500 for that? And the answer is probably yes, like every week. Um, do you think the price is high enough? Like, do you think it's high enough that people won't play McCaffrey?
1: No, I think it's not high enough. I think he'll still be, like, widely owned at least 30%, whether we're talking cash games or tournaments.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which I think when that's, you know, when every week after week it's the same thing with the same player, it's kind of like, no, they're not priced high enough, which, personally, I think is not the most... Like, I think the having this debate every week is not my favorite aspect of DFS. Like <laughs> I would like to see Christian McCaffrey priced up at, like, 11000 plus you know maybe get his ownership down to like 20 percent, so we could be having the debate of like is he a good player not not in terms of like how great of a play is he versus like just weighing the ownership for tournaments like i think for cash games it's like yeah i'm gonna play christian mccaffrey because he's averaging on both sites three times like 3x on his salary plus uh and no one else is doing that and there's not really like there's not any crazy outlier stats with him like he's you know he's Maybe he's not gonna maintain five point three per carry, but he was at five last year, five flat. Uh, and the rate you know, the rate of his team's touchdowns is I think he has thirteen of their twenty-two offensive touchdowns. Jeez. That's crazy high, but it's not like any higher than what we saw from Prime Sean Alexander, Ladanian Tomlinson. When you're that good and you get that high a percentage of the touchdowns, like reasonable long-term expectation is that you're gonna score forty to fifty percent. So Maybe some slight touchdown regression coming, but not enough to where he's not underpriced still.
2: Yeah. He also, I mean, you noted this in your uh, hidden stat line column this week that like his percentage of snaps is is declining, but it's still absurdly high. Like it's not like all of a sudden he's playing like 60% of snaps, but is there any, do you think that's, this is like a trend we're seeing or is it just that they were up big and there was just no reason to play him and they're actually finally thinking, maybe we shouldn't run this guy into the ground.
1: Yeah, they've, it's just been the past couple, past three weeks really that they've been, when they've had a big lead in or a big deficit in the fourth quarter, they've been, they've put Reggie Bonifant in. Like, it's strictly been a blowout thing. I think it's SnapShare in terms of the competitive part of the game, was still, like, whatever, 97%, like, Bonifant came in once. Uh, which, actually, like, that sounds obvious, but, like, last year, like, he would still be in there. Like, yeah. Into, like... I remember the, I don't know if they beat the Steelers by 40 points, but there was one game where the Steelers beat them. But there was one game where it was like, he just kept getting volume in like a 30 or 40 point game. And it's like, why are you doing this? To
2: this <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I'm perfectly fine with them doing it as long as he stays healthy. But uh, you mentioned Saquon Barkley. The, it, it seems to me that more people are going to be thinking uh, about whether he is a good replacement for McCaffrey, and not necessarily playing both of them together. Once they see like how tough it is to build a lineup without or with both of them in, um, the matchup against the Jets is like perfectly fine. I just feel like we are constantly thinking that uh, Saquon Barkley with Daniel Jones is just as good as Saquon Barkley with Eli Manning, and I just feel like there's not enough evidence for me yet to say that this is the guy from last season. And that's the guy that like, I want the guy from last season. I don't want the guy from, that we've seen this year. And he like, he's gotten some targets recently, like a little increase in targets, but like we, he has not scored to McCaffrey's average yet. And so like, that's like my hesitation in using Barkley over McCaffrey this week, even though there's a ridiculous salary savings. So like, what's the reason to use Barkley?
1: Yeah, I guess for me, it's you know it's kind of a combination of talent and volume still. But I I definitely hear the point about like yeah he had the production hasn't been as good as it was last year, uh, and for all the hype around Daniel Jones, like on the whole the Giants on they've had a couple nice games, but on the whole the Giants' offense has been worse than it was last year, <laughs> and the offensive line, despite the offseason upgrades they made, has also been worse than last yeah. year. Uh, so yeah, I do have some concerns there i think the price and the fact that you know they it's in a game where it should be competitive i think with the giants you always worry that they're going to get blown out and how that impacts barkley although not as much as other running backs because of the pass catching i do i also as you're you being the jets fan i meant to ask you about this, this week forgot but forgot what's up with the jets being still so good against the run like that's one of those things that every week I'm like, yeah, they've only given up three and a half yards per carry, but like there's no, there's no, I can't explain it. So I'm like, it'll go away. Like it's not one of those like yards per carry allowed isn't the most like sticky stat. We mm-hmm. see Like there's not, not necessarily a ton of predictive value, but that keeps holding up. And actually it seems like they've been getting better and better against the run, even without Leonard Williams. Uh,
2: yeah. It's, I think the real reason why they're good against the run is because teams can so easily pass against them. And so it's like, if you have an easy way to move the ball, why wouldn't you just use that? Um, What's weird about the Jets, like when you just look at even just like fantasy points allowed, like the worst game they had in terms of like allowing running back points was against the Patriots in that Sonny Michelle three touchdown game. And they Patriots only rushed for 56 yards, like only the Jets have only given up 100 yards rushing once this season came in the win over uh, the Cowboys like Ezekiel Elliott had a good game. But I think, yeah, a lot of it is just, like, the, the Jets are decent against the run. Like, they're not great. They're decent against the run, and it's more that teams just don't have to run against them. And so, um, you know, like, the, that Sonny Michelle three-touchdown game, like, I think they stopped him a few times on the one, and then he, you know, like, if you stop a team uh, twice at the one-yard line, and then they score the touchdown, like, yards per carry looks pretty good there because like ultimately you're only giving up 1 yard even when they do score. And so I think it's a little bit of an odd stat just because um I don't think the Jets are that good against the run, but I think a lot of it is just that they they really can't stop anybody uh in the pass other than um you know, they've been pretty good against guys in the slot. But that's the only explanation I can have for it. Like I there's nothing that like I look at Saquon Barkley this week and I'm like I'm not going to play him because he's facing the jets like that's not part of the thought process this week
1: I yeah i think i mean i generally think that the overall team strength of the opponent for is more important for running back matchup than you know how many yards were carry they've allowed even if we're looking at something opponent adjusted like dvoa like that stuff is there's not a ton of predictive value there but i think we can reliably say that the jets are a bad team And that Saquon Barkley is more likely to get 20, 25, 30, whatever number you're looking for touches, uh, and against a bad team than he is like last week against the Cowboys where we have to worry about a, can the giants even get anywhere near the end zone and B, are they going to be able to run the ball in the second half? I think this week we can probably say that both those things will happen to some extent.
2: Yeah. I think that's a, that's an accurate read. Um, the Jets also really haven't played teams with like great running backs. Like um, they played the Bills in Week One, and they were still using Frank Gore. Devin Singletary like had like three touches and looked awesome on them, and yet didn't really do anything. Um, I think Nick Chubb in Week Two had like a decent game against them, um, and then like the Patriots have killed them. Like the, the Patriots have five rushing touchdowns against the Jets this year, and the Jets have only given up three others. But like the Eagles don't use the running backs a ton, um, Leonard Fournette never scores touchdowns. So the Jets didn't have to worry about that. They had the Dolphins last week, so I think a little bit of is his just matchup of why the the numbers look all right. But um, yeah, I guess that my my fear always with Barkley is that because Daniel Jones considers passing downfield, which is something Eli Manning never did, then. By the time he gets to Barkley, it's too late, whereas Manning at the, like, the first sign of any trouble would just dump right down to Barkley. And so it's really more the, the targets that I worry about that may not be there as opposed to the rushing volume, which should be there against the Jets. But enough of Barkley. Um, I feel like there were a number of running backs that are like in really good spots this week. I think that, that was part of the reason why I'm hesitant on McCaffrey and Barkley, or uh, my guess is in cash I'll play one of them. Um, but we have like decent matchups for other guys. We got Mark Ingram against the Bengals. Um, Nick Chubb against Buffalo should be okay. Although, um, you wrote in your, uh, hidden stat line of why Chubb may not be quite as good. Um, but we got Marlon Mack against the Dolphins, Derek Henry against the Chiefs. So like, um, Aaron Jones against Carolina, like there are guys here, um, so do you put these guys like significantly worse than Barkley because they're I mean they provide some decent salary savings from Barkley let alone from McCaffrey?
1: Yeah, I think I'm I'm kind of away from that price range this week. I mean all those guys are good players and they all have good matchups, but they all have a little bit of the workload concern and I feel like if I go further down the price scale with Montgomery, Singletary, Ronald Jones or Damian Williams even uh, maybe I'm I'm sacrificing a little bit in terms of talent and matchup, but saving more in terms of price. So I guess I'm I'm more all the way at the top with McCaffrey, maybe Barkley, and then sort of down lower with like the Montgomery, Ronald Jones type guys. Um, I do I do think Marlin back against the Dolphins is interesting, like especially as a tournament play. I mean, you know, two definitely like two hundred yards and two touchdowns is not. No one's going to be surprised if we see that.
2: (laughs) Right. We'll be more surprised if he catches a pass. Um,
1: That's the, that's my issue is like he, you know, you, he's pretty expensive this week because of the matchup and no one will be surprised by 200 yards and two touchdowns, but also no one will be surprised by like 15 carries for 95 yards, zero touchdowns, one catch or whatever. (laughs) And, Jordan Wilkins ends up getting a bunch of carries because yep. they're playing the Dolphins. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's uh I don't know, it's it ends up being just a situation my guess is that I'll I'll skip out on. But uh I I was going to bring up Ronald Jones um because he's the cheapest of of this group of, of um running backs that um I agree, like I don't I think Montgomery is definitely like if if Montgomery was priced with the Chubb Mac Henry group, like, I don't think we would necessarily be uh, scoffing at it. Um, And Jones, the only problem with Jones is this. We basically have like a one week sample size of him being like the guy and we have, um, you know, some coach talk about how he's earned more, more touches, but it just seems like there's a little bit of doubt or for me, there's like a decent amount of doubt that he'll keep going. 4,300 on DraftKings is obviously enough for, for me to feel better about that. Um, but with Damian Williams, like, do we just throw out what he's done recently if Mahomes comes back?
1: Yeah, I don't. With the thing with, I guess, really with Damian Williams, Singletary, and Ronald Jones is that we're like we're we're kind of hoping that it's just a it's one week of increased usage. Like two weeks ago, we were not talking about any of these guys at all as anything other than being frustrated with their workloads and wanting them to get more. Um, so I think maybe I, I have been questioning myself on that. I'm like, am I like getting too excited because what I wanted to happen, happened. And so I'm assuming it will continue to happen in the future. Uh, even though I don't necessarily, you know, I don't trust any of those coaches to continue doing it. Um, I think in the case of Ronald Jones, it seems like common sense to not give paint Barbara carries. <laughs> right we have a pretty good sample there of him being like kind of like a worthless replaceable uh body on the field but yeah with i mean with damon williams the upside relative to the price is ridiculous like what we saw last year when he was working with Mahomes, and even what we saw at the very beginning of this year i think it was week one or week two we had a big game and you know the way that he contributes in the passing game on the other hand like I wouldn't be shocked to see LaShawn McCoy get back in. Right. There. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, really, I don't know. Uh I think for like for a cash lineup, I probably Montgomery's not that much more expensive. And we do know he's gonna get a lot of carries against a bad defense. Uh maybe not the same per touch upside you get with Damian Williams because he's not a big pass catcher and because his team is trash. But I think yeah, <laughs> <Better
2: than that. laughs> like
1: a tournament like Damian Williams, pretty appealing, yeah.
2: Yeah, the one that um, I think Singletary has just as much doubt uh, in terms of keeping his role than than Williams. Like, it's one of those things that like you're like, oh, the Bills figured out that Singletary is better than Gore, but that was evident like this entire season. Like, there, it's not like all of a sudden in Week Eight they were like, oh, he's really coming on. Like, he is far superior since Week One, uh, and so I, I just don't. I don't trust the bills at all. Like that's how I put it. Like the, there's no reason for me to to look back and say I have trust that they can figure out that Singletary is better and that's why he got 20 carries last week. I almost want to f- be like Frank Gore may have been like, "Hey, maybe we should or I need a I need a break." And then he comes out and Singletary starts getting some run and has success and they're just like, "Well, Frank was tired last week, but he's good this week, so we're going to go back to him." Like that's that's like the stupid thinking that I just kind of expect if I end up rostering Singletary, which I think he's perfectly fine in GPP. He's been in cash. It just seems like so, so dangerous. Um, I don't know. Uh, is there anyone else that you are thinking about?
1: I'm, you know, it's mostly to like those, the big two, and then the four, four cheaper, as we just mentioned, another guy I'm looking at probably just on DraftKings Kings where you get full PPR is Devonta Freeman. Um, and I, I, I think I'm not going to do it because <laughs> just the Saints' defense has been so good and the Falcons' offensive line and running game and entire team has been so bad. Yeah. Like, you know, playing running backs from 13 point underdogs is generally not going to get you too far in life.
2: Not usually. usually. Uh,
1: but at the same time, like, when you look at the volume of targets he's seen and the fact that Edo Smith started the week absent from practice again. It's like, you know, you could easily get one of these like 1441 rushing lines and then like eight catches for 40 yards. And like he he does nothing to actually help his team, but he ends up at like 25 fantasy points. But I think there's enough other, I think there's enough else going on in that price range with like Montgomery and Williams that I can just, you know, not stay away from the Devonta Freeman. I think the target volume gives him a decent floor. Uh, but I, I still just don't trust it against the Saints defense as well as they've played since week two. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Uh, the last guy I want to ask about is Jalen Samuels. If uh, Connor doesn't play, we uh, are actually taping this Thursday. So we haven't heard Connor's full uh, practice schedule yet, but um, Samuels, I feel like if I'm going to pay 6,300 on draftings for Samuels, I may as well just pay up the hundred dollars to get Derrick Henry or just go down to the other guys uh, that we talked about, like the, Montgomery's and and, um Ronald Jones's. Do you have any thoughts of playing Samuels?
1: Yeah, I'm 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 probably not gonna play him because even though I know last week he worked out really well, you know, it is like seventy percent ownership or whatever. Yeah. But he didn't get like you know, the talk beforehand was like, Oh, he's gonna be, you know, every down roll, like kind of like what we saw like from Le'Veon Bell and then James Conner last year. And it wasn't that. Like he he split with Trey Edmonds they just threw the ball like every mason rudolph did mason rudolph and threw to jalen samuels like every time he ran a route and certainly i would if connor's out like samuels is going to catch a bunch of passes again but i worry that he might only be in like the seven to ten carry range uh and he's not like not a special talent and the rams defense is really really good so yeah i think i the fan duel price is a little more tempting with him but then at the same time fan duel isn't is half ppr instead right. of ppr so like it kind of makes sense that he would be cheaper there uh so yeah i undecided i guess but i think that trey Edmonds stealing the rushing and possibly goal line work pushes me away from him
2: okay that's fair that's fair um <clears throat> let's move on to the pass catchers but before that quick message from yahoo uh the nfl season is in full swing at yahoo daily fantasy sports and there's a million reasons to enter the free yahoo cup on daily fantasy And they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo! Cup is free to enter and a perfect lineup will win you a million dollars every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and a U.S. citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo! Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. And even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo! Daily Fantasy today. Get started at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. So, We've got Mahomes. It sounds like he could play this week, full practice on Wednesday. He's um, got a plane at Tennessee, which the Titans, uh, I mentioned I think last week that uh, every time I like think of a player in a Titans game, it just seems like one of those where I'm expecting the Titans to just ruin it, meaning like they just ruin football. Like The Titans games are just awful. They get really gritty, and they're just not fun. But then all of a sudden they give up like 30 points and I wonder why I ever thought that. So we'll skip Lamar for a quick second, but if Mahomes plays, where do you where do you have him?
1: I I love Mahomes this week, and it's funny you say that because yeah, I have the I've had the same instinct for a few years with Titans games where I'm like, and I also not just the fact that they play at such a slow pace. Uh, which tends to, tends to hurt, like, both teams' production. But I always, no matter who they're playing, like, they could be playing the Dolphins, and I'm like, man, the Titans are going to lose by 20 this week, aren't they? Like, they're always better. Like, they're always, you know, just, like, this very average team. But something about them, especially this year, I'm just like, their pass defense is kind of falling apart, not necessarily showing up in terms of, like, the cumulative stats, but when you look at the per-play stats, opponent-adjusted stats, Uh, So, yeah, I think think the Chiefs, with their, like, pass-heavy approach on offense, will inject some volume into at least the early part of this game. Um, And with the Titans losing Malcolm Butler and then going to LaShawn Sims, who's, like, a total scrub at cornerback this week. I like Mahomes. I like Hill. I like Damian Williams. I like Travis Kelsey. I even like Sammy Watkins, I think. Uh, I uh, I hate when those words come out of my mouth now. (laughs) If I like Sammy Watkins, like I probably need to just start my like, weekly process over. Honestly, might,
2: yeah, it might be worth uh, <laughs> worth looking looking elsewhere. Is there any thought of instead of playing Watkins and like getting Corey Davis or um, one of the guys on on the Tennessee side coming back?
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, what if we're talking Brown. about like stacking for a tournament, then when it, with a. A stack that's expense, as expensive as those Chiefs stacks, I almost feel obligated to play someone on the other team mm-hmm. because we really do need them to score points to keep Mahomes and the pass catchers active. Like for Mahomes to reach his ceiling, he needs to still need to be putting up points in the fourth quarter. Uh, and is I that really that, true? Maybe not. I guess we saw we saw him in the second quarter alone. Yeah. <laughs> But even, against the Raiders, but even then, like that wasn't really his ceiling game. Like, he had 300 some yards and three touchdowns, but that's not, you know, yeah. that's not necessary. Like, it sounds crazy because it's great, but if you're talking about like your tournament stack, you're almost looking for more than that. I guess some weeks that might get it done, but you know, if he's the second price quarterback and he finishes QB4, he's probably not going to be taking you toward the top of any leaderboards. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I do. I still I think for like cash games, I'm totally. I I like Mahomes. Like you're getting a little discount with him coming back from injury. The Titans defense overrated, and they show a little bit of a pass funnel where they're like top five in rushing defense efficiency, bottom half of the league in passing defense. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 a little tricky to figure out the stack there, especially when you're talking about the prices on the Chiefs guys. But it's, it's something that I think can be done when you look at some of the discount options of running back and receiver that look good this week.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like the top-end quarterbacks are mimic the running backs a little bit in terms of, like, there are a number of guys who are very playable. Like, obviously, Lamar is pretty much always playable. He's 7,300 um, on DraftKings is the most expensive. He's most expensive on FanDuel also at 8,600. Um, he's playing against the, the Bengals, You've got Drew Brees at home against that Dumpster Fire Falcons defense. Aaron Rodgers coming off a bad game, home against Carolina. I mean, you could probably—I I, don't—we'll get into Kyler Murray in a second, but, like, he's there against Tampa Bay, who we've seen give up, like, huge games. So, like, it's one of those weird situations where Mahomes is in— you know, if he's healthy, he's in a really good spot. But, like, I'm not sure he's going to be that highly owned because we have these other guys who— I feel like could match not necessarily a Mahomes ceiling game, but like an average Mahomes game is pretty much around where these guys are realistically expected to finish this week based on their matchups. So like, is he all that much better than Jackson or breeze or Rogers?
1: I mean, I, I don't, I'm not not big on Rogers this week as Carolina's past defense overall has been pretty good. Uh, I haven't looked as great the past couple weeks. I'm still not quite sure what to make of the Packers uh, in terms of, like, they're not not an extremely pass-heavy team or an extremely run-heavy team. But, yeah, for the other guys, yeah, it does – it feels like definitely a pay-up week at quarterback, which is then kind of rough when it's also a McCaffrey week. Same, <laughs> same as every other week. Right. Uh, pretty much. But, yeah, you – yeah, J- I mean, Jackson's at Cincinnati. He ran for 150 and a touchdown last time he played them. Uh, you got Winston and Murray and that – highest over under of the week 52 points tampa bay arizona game and then you had breeze against the falcons uh and i i almost breeze was kind of the first one that stood out to me because that atlanta defense is so bad and the the way the falcons throw the ball a million times like breeze can get even in a blowout he can get to 35 pass attempts because the falcons are just throwing it over and over again on the other side of the game uh, and, just yeah, the the fact that they're going to have all their healthy weapons together for the first time since week one with, looks like, Traquan Smith, Jared Cook, and most important, Alvin Kamara coming back for injury. I think everything really sets up well for him there. Uh, but then again, I wouldn't normally, in most weeks, if you told me I could have Patrick Mahomes for like 300 or 100 more than Drew Brees, I would tell you I don't even care who the opponents are. I'll take Patrick Mahomes. <laughs>
2: Um, I forgot Winston because Winston was actually in my dummy lineup um, because I pretty much just fill everybody in who's playing Arizona. Um, but, yeah, it's like I think a lot of – so there, that's kind of the way that I think it'll go. It's either – there's going to be the total – like it's either going to be we're going to see decent ownership for all of these guys, meaning Jackson, Winston, Breeze, Mahomes, or you're going to say like if if I'm really thinking about Jameis Winston – Like, why wouldn't I just pay 200 more for Patrick Mahomes? And, like, obviously Winston has this great matchup. He's actually been playing well recently, not turning the ball over as much as he usually does. And so uh, home against Arizona, that's why he was in my dummy lineup. Like, it it was as simple as that. But you're right. You're like, I feel like you tend to want to play Winston when you can save a little bit off of the bigger guys, and you're not saving nearly enough, uh, at least to make it, like, an easy decision. The easy decision is, like, the next group of guys, like I don't have any interest in paying 6,400 on DraftKings for Stafford against Chicago, even though the bears defense has been, well, they're easier against the run, run at least, but like Josh Allen, 63 Goff at 62. Um, so like, and then you get into the Brian Hoyer, Darnold, Daniel Jones group. And it's like, I'm not sure relying on that group um, to like make it easier to pay up for McCaffrey's, even that much better because, like, I I consider them like firmly worse than the than the top tier guys. Obviously, that's why they're they're cheaper. But I just I, I struggle to see a lineup with um with Darnold or Jones or Kyle Allen and saying like that's that's definitely going to be competitive against guys who are paying up a quarterback this week.
1: Yeah, I think you're I think you're very much onto something there. Like I was looking at like Jared Goff and Matt Stafford this week, and I was like, man, those guys are going to be like. percent owned Mm -hmm. like there's just not even as like and you could maybe say like tournament logic okay it's worth playing them but like i don't know they're just they're not that much cheaper they're they're i don't see either one of them being the highest scoring quarterback this week certainly the volume they get they can outperform their salary any week but yeah it's just those guys are gonna be really low owned i think on FanDuel you get maybe a little more toward the Winston and like you get a little better of a discount with Jameis Winston. Yep. Or Murray. Whereas on DraftKings, Kings, I'm like, well, Mahomes, Jackson, Breeze. It's like not, there's really not that much of a difference. Um, and I think one guy who we might see with surprisingly decent ownership, not huge, maybe like 4%, 5% is Ryan Tannehill, just because like the rest of the low range quarterbacks look like such a wasteland this mm-hmm. week. I think, all of the, like, top fantasy matchups we like are going to pretty good players. Right, yeah. It's kind of a, like there's that, that weird alignment there where it's like, yeah, you go into, like, some of that, like, like last week doing the dumpster diving with Fitzpatrick, that was popular. This week, it's kind of like, you know, I think people are going to pay up, and Tannehill's kind of, the at least on DraftKings, is the guy who caught my eye as being uh, cheap and a decent value. I'm, I don't plan on playing him personally, but... <laughs> I can see the argument for it.
2: Yeah, I the 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 path that I need to go down to convince myself that Ryan Tannehill is the play this week or or really any week is is usually blocked. Um what's <laughs> like, do you think if he's healthy enough to play that Matt Ryan is higher owned than all of the guys between him and this like upper this breeze and up group? like Ryan seemed I mean obviously the Saints defense is is very good but like all they all the Falcons do is pass so like is the and obviously looking at that game everyone's like yeah I'd rather the Breeze side so it was like Ryan actually the the leverage play on that one
1: Yeah I mean I think we'll see that I think Ryan will have higher ownership than you know Josh Allen, Jared Goff, Matt Stafford. It's like in that range I think it'll be higher on but I I still think it'll be pretty low owned. I mean, he's when you look at his average score in the season um, and the price, and then the Saints' like opponent rank in terms of points allowed, it all looks very pretty. But I think people have like caught on to the fact that the Saints basically got crushed by quarterbacks for two weeks and have been like a dominant top ten defense, top five even since then. Yeah, uh, they, they do induce a lot of passing volume out of opponents. So maybe we see, like, a matchup against the Seahawks-type game where, like, Ryan ends up with, like, you know, 400 yards and one or two touchdowns and, like, <laughs> God, how many, 57 pass attempts or something. Uh, but I just – it's it's still just not that much of a discount compared to, like, you'd go a few hundred dollars up and you get Kyler Murray yep. uh, or Drew Brees and you look at the implied totals. Like, Vegas is way off the Falcons. I think their implied totals, like, 19 and a half points. Yep. Uh, which I would I would take the over on that but not by too much
2: <laughs> thankfully you don't need to do it too much you just need just need the over um, can you convince me why Kyler Murray is a good play like there's nothing worse um, than like seeing the fact that he had what feels like uh, you know all of his receivers have a dots like below five and nobody has more than five catches so at least like that's good because he's spreading the ball around and completing passes but like I'm just really struggling to see a situation where I play Kyler Murray and I'm like, I made the right decision here because of X, Y, and Z. Um, is it just that the last few games have been really tough defenses, although he was terrible against the Giants? Um, so, like, what's the – why should I even consider Kyler Murray?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's pretty much a matchup thing, plus the upside you get with the rushing production. I was, when I was watching the Arizona-San Francisco game last week, I was like, kind of at halftime. was thinking, like, I don't think I've ever seen an NFL game with two offenses that are so good at horizontally pressuring defenses and make literally zero effort to put vertical pressure on that <laughs> uh, The two teams, there were two passes that went more than twenty yards downfield all game, and they were like twenty-two and twenty-one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, like, like if you take out the first two weeks of the season, Murray's ADOT is in Mason Rudolph range.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, which
1: Who's like watched a significant amount of the Steelers can tell you is pretty incredible like how short uh the targets that Rudolph tends to throw are. Although he's been he's been a little better with like throwing a mix of very short and very deep. The Cardinals have been more like a lot in that like zero to five yard range. Yeah, that that does worry me. I think there's like I think maybe Murray is more of a floor play. Like he's you know, he's going against Tampa Bay, they've got the pass funnel. It's a bad defense, uh, a game that could have a lot of points, but yeah, I I do worry that you're just looking at a lot of short completions, so I tend to, Christian Kirk tends to be the guy that draws my eye from that game more so than Murray. Uh, I think I do expect Murray to, like, outperform his salary slightly on DraftKings, but again, I just, like, Mahomes, Winston Breeze are just not that much more expensive, and they're their their pass attempts on average are more valuable than Murray's right
2: for sure for sure um all right is the interest the slight interest in Ryan Tannehill mean that Ryan Finley's not on your radar <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah Ryan Finley's not on my radar um I've read any- articles on
2: Rotowire that backup quarterbacks are just perfectly fine
1: <laughs> yeah uh I I don't know. I maybe who knows. I mean Gardner Mincher, I was like, well, he's a sixth round rookie and he turned out to be okay. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't I just don't see any like anything to do with the Bengals right now. Uh even like my big decision this week, and I put this up on Twitter. I was kidding. I'm not actually gonna start Mike Kosicki over Tyler Boyd, but the fact that the thought occurred to me, I think pretty much sums up like where that offense is at right now because Tyler Boyd is a very good player Mm -hmm. he's been playing that well lately he's had some drops but for someone like him to be averaging nine targets per game and doing what he's doing right now is ridiculous and now they're getting a quarterback downgrade
2: it's definitely a downgrade
1: yeah, I don't I don't really have any problem with Andy Dalton. He's been like solidly he's like solidly the eighteenth best quarterback in the league, right? Like I don't know, maybe that's maybe that's generous. Maybe he was and now he's in like the twenties. Uh but I didn't having like watched it way too much of the Bengals because for some reason as like a Ravens fan, I'm just I can't can't avoid watching those AFC North games no of matter
3: course.
1: no matter how little they actually impact like my fantasy lineups or the playoff picture, which is <laughs> <laughs> sort of out of like, yeah, kind of, I guess just watching the horror of the bangles and the dolphins this year has been kind of entertaining, mm. but yeah, I don't, I didn't, I haven't really seen Dalton as being the problem. He's not good. He still, still was Andy Dalton. Uh, but yeah, I guess, I guess it's speculation because who knows? I don't know anything about Ryan Finley.
2: You knew nothing about Gardner Minshew.
1: I, I really knew nothing about Gardner Minshew. <laughs>
2: We knew tre- plenty about Trevor Simeon, but I'm, I've convinced myself now off all of these backup quarterbacks that the Jets would have at least three wins if he stayed healthy. But the fact that they had to go to a third string quarterback is actually what ruined them. But yeah, the,
1: the Jets defense has been surprisingly like average. It's, it hasn't mm-hmm. been terrible, and you look at having like Le'Veon Bell, Jameson Crowder, Robbie Anderson—they have weapons. Uh, just no blocking and sadly no quarterback which is Mm. not expected to be the problem this year
2: yeah they haven't had cj mosley either and he was by far their best player early in the season but anyway um we talked about tyler boyd we'll jump into wide receivers but uh first quick message from world fantasy sports already knocked out of your survivor pool you end up losing early in the season feeling like your success is mostly based on luck wish there was an alternative where you can use your actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether a team wins or loses well now there is World Fantasy Pools brings you the first-of-its-kind game type, stat-based survivor pools. World Fantasy Pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that players are familiar with and adds in a more exciting twist. Instead of choosing a team to win, you'll use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line. Achieve the stat line and you advance. Fail to, and you're eliminated. Be the last to survive or make it through all the rounds to win or split a prize pool. Just choose one athlete each round to achieve the designated stat line to advance and win. It's that simple. Sign up and play today at www.worldfantasypools.com. So we have a little bit of a price separation at the top um, in wide receivers, which I feel like the past few weeks is usually a little closer. It's like, you know, 8,000, 79, 78, 76. Um, We have kind of the usual suspects. But Michael Thomas is separating himself a little bit at 8,300 on um, on DraftKings. He's 8,700, still the top price on FanDuel, despite the half point uh, PPR or half point PR, I guess. Um, but Thomas is like definitely the best solo wide receiver this week, right?
1: Yeah, he he's my number number one PPR standard scoring. Doesn't matter. I think I looked, when I looked at him. I was like, oh, only only eighty three hundred. Like even as the top priced receiver going against Atlanta, like, well, I'm definitely gonna be playing him this week. Although then when I thought about it more, I was like, well, relative to like what they've done, Christian McCaffrey is still way more underpriced. (laughs) And if I'm playing both of them, I I mean it's doable. Like last week, I played Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook without feeling like I had any horrible punt plays. Um, It didn't didn't work out that amazing or anything. So it's doable um but yeah i think i also really like tyree kill so there's there's another challenge for you
2: even if uh matt moore starts
1: uh no i'm not i'm not, okay. not gonna pay that price. Yeah, yeah, yeah i'm kind of assuming at least at this point in the week that patrick mahomes is gonna start i think he was full practice wednesday yeah um and gonna be full practice thursday i guess it doesn't necessarily mean he'll play because it has been talked about as an injury where there's some risk of re-injury. There was some report that like, if you wait a certain amount of time, yes. like the risk of re-injury goes down to like 15%. And
2: yeah, I think you know. it was, was it 21 days? Something like that, whatever it was. Yes. It's it significantly reduced. Um, so Tyreek Hill, I feel like all we hear about with Tyreek Hill is how fast he is. And that Damian Williams touched on where he caught up to him, like showed it. But, and, and that like has completely, um, Clouded my evaluation of Tyreek Hill as, like, an actual receiver. Like, I'm like, oh, he's just fast. And so, like, they just get him the ball and he takes off. And, like, that's not something that can be replicated, like, over and over again. And yet, like, it feels like all the time I'm seeing more and more Tyreek Hill touchdowns. He made a few grabs last week that were just, like, ridiculous catches. And it's like, this guy definitely belongs in the upper tier. I still don't put him there. But, obviously, that's a mistake. But I'm not, like, is he definitely better than... Mike Evans and Julio Jones and Godwin this week?
1: Um are it's tough. They're like looking at the matchups again. I think we see the same thing, like the best passing offenses this week. We talked about it, the quarterback. Like the offenses that we want to target in general for passing games are facing good matchups, yeah. bad defenses. So yeah, you like I really it's not until we get to like Kenny Galladay, who's priced seventh among wide receivers, that I'm like, eh, I'm not really into it. Uh, Like even Cooper Cup against the Steelers also is like the Steelers have been a very good defense. But when they've struggled, it's generally been against slot guys and tight ends covering the middle of the field, uh, able to break down their zone. So, yeah, there's just – there's a lot there. Uh, I think my – probably what I would do is if I'm playing Mahomes in a tournament lineup is I would, you know, put Tyree Hill with him, of course. And otherwise, I think I would probably look to go toward Godwin or Michael Thomas.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems – like the cheaper running backs that we talked about before, uh, like I usually never pay up for wide receiver in cash games. It's always like, I'll take the three running backs that I know will be good because and I usually have to pay for them. Like last week I played McCaffrey and cook. Samuel was obviously helped out hugely in that respect, but with guys like Montgomery and Jones, and if you want to believe in Singletary or Damian Williams, like getting one of these guys is absolutely doable. And I, I've even gotten to the point where I'm wondering if Michael Thomas's floor is better than Saquon Barkley's, and I'm not sure it's not. Like that's how I'm starting to look at it. Am I a little too high on Thomas, or really any of these top ten, top tier wide receivers?
1: No, I think I think that's I think that's spot on. I think apart from Christian McCaffrey, like Michael Thomas, uh, and you know quarterbacks, of course, Michael Thomas like has the the best floor right now. Uh, for, I, it was a little weird last year. He, he wasn't as consistent as you would expect for a guy who gets a high volume of shorter targets with a really high catch rate. Like he had some weeks with like four targets and others with like 16, mm-hmm. but we've seen that even out this year. We've seen him with two different quarterbacks do it. Uh, and yes, yeah, I mean, he leads the league in target share. He's the most efficient per target. Yeah. There's really, there's, there's really no flaws there. Um, I guess you might say if you're just looking for like, a sheer upside tournament play like oh you want someone who if in that price range you want someone who catches deeper passes like hill or evans but we've seen thomas put up 40 ppr points plenty of times on like 13 catches yeah you know his team scores a lot of points they've got the highest implied total of the week so yeah i think it's the only argument against him is that you want to play other high priced players Mm -hmm. instead you just can't fit it i don't think there's any any argument based on shortcomings of michael thomas or that matchup that you would point to
2: do you think this game, the Atlanta-New Orleans game, is going to be higher owned than the Tampa Bay-Arizona in terms of game stacks?
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, I think that maybe we'll see the Tampa Bay-Arizona a little more highly owned because people will drift toward those quarterbacks. But I think Breeze-Thomas is just like a two-man stack, I think will be the most popular of the week. Not Not quite sure on that. Maybe I'm just saying that because I like it a lot. Uh, I think, I think on Fanduel specifically, Calvin Ridley is priced really, really low. So you're going to see people going for Breeze, Michael Thomas, and Calvin Ridley. Like the pricing, just it really helps you when you get Ridley dirt cheap uh, on other sites. Ridley's not quite as cheap. So I don't, I don't know if people really trust him when you're paying like a more of a wide receiver three price instead of like a whatever he is on Fanduel is like, a, you know, the equivalent of like guys who see like four targets per game mostly. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting, um, an interesting one. Yeah. Like Ridley is priced with like, um, I just lost him here. What is he? 5,300 on FanDuel. Yeah. So like, if you look at the, just the game situation and the role he is like 5,300 is the same as Adam Humphreys, Geronimo Allison, Shoot. uh, James Washington, Ted Ginn. Like those are the guys that <laughs> you're like Antonio I, Calloway. Like, I think you're getting a little more out of Ridley, um, there, especially, I mean, and it makes sense. Like he's not going to be the high, um, but he's not going to have ten or eleven target or uh, receptions like for a monster game. Like it's going to probably be, you know, seven, six, seven for one ten and one or two touchdowns. Like that's the the realistic ceiling for him. It's not, you know, thirteen catches for one forty and two touchdowns. But um, how low do you go after that group? Like the. Actually, before we get there, <clears throat> so T.Y. Hilton is probably not playing. Zach Paschal has been playing particularly well. He's fifty three hundred playing against the Dolphins, um, possibly with. All um, right, it sounds like Brissette. I mean, we're like I said, we're we're doing this early, but it seems like he's more likely to sit than not, unless you see otherwise. But um, does it even matter? if Hoyer or Brissett starts for you to think about Zach Pascal at
1: 5,300. Yeah, for me, it does matter because I think the the price on him is, it's not that low. Like it's, you know, I get it. He's the number one receiver on the team. Um, He's, he's a pretty decent player. Like I, even last year when he didn't get many targets, uh, he did really well with them. He's a really good route runner, not like a crazy athlete or anything but just looking at the price and the fact that I don't think the Colts are going to throw the ball that much. And the fact it might be Brian Hoyer throwing it and yeah, like Zach Pascal, but he's still like, you know, a guy who as of this summer was battling for a roster spot with the team that had had him the previous year and knew what it was getting.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, I'm, I think like you can look at Christian Kirk, Jameson Crowder, uh, Devontae Parker, the other number one receiver in that game, who I think is a much safer bet to pile up volume. I just see a lot of other ways to go with it, and yeah, I'm not not too into the Brian Hoyer thing, even against the Dolphins.
2: Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, there are, I mean, Ridley's obviously in that group as well. Um, we've got DJ Moore, um, Watkins, as you mentioned before. Sterling Shepard is there, although it, it's like would be shocking if he played with all these uh, all these concussions. Jarvis Landry, you talked about a little bit in Hidden Stat Line. Seems like I mean the, the matchup against Buffalo is obviously not ideal. Um where do you put Landry in this group?
1: Yeah, I, I mean he's he's definitely in the mix for me. I think I'm he's kind of right between Crowder and Parker in terms of price. And I think all of those guys are gonna see a lot of volume this week. And I don't I guess I guess Crowder versus Landry is kind of I feel like it's sort of the same idea where it's like I know they're gonna get volume and I know they're pretty good players and I have and they have decent matchups maybe Landry less so but on the other hand like with Beckham facing Travis White more outside we could see Landry as like another one of his 13 target games but yeah there's the the fact that like Baker Mayfield and the Browns offense is just like completely broken uh that that scares me a little although I guess when I'm then saying oh well Devontae Parker Right there, then I'm kind of like, well, the the Dolphins are even more broken. They just looked okay last week because they were home against the Jets.
2: <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anyone in the group kind of above them? We I skipped over a lot of them, but like Allen Robinson, who Allen Robinson is the the clearest example for me of a guy who I significantly downgrade because of quarterback, which I don't like. I've played guys with terrible quarterbacks. Um, I mean, Kyle Allen, I'm perfectly fine playing Samuel or Moore. Um, we even talked about the possibility of playing Boyd, although who knows this week. I played Auden Tate, although you, you're you not so bad on, on Dalton. But does, does anyone in this group, uh, like is, is Robinson actually better in terms of like what he can do this week? Then guys who have better quarterbacks in the group, like Marvin Jones, or you mentioned Beckham, um, Juju's there, although I don't know if that's really that much of an upgrade. So, like, where do you put these guys? Like, I'm skipping them all, I think.
1: Yeah, I think I'm skipping them all, too. Beckham at the price is tempting, but, like, I think I'm, I'm just being like, ooh, Odell Beckham at that price.
2: Yeah, like- Totally.
1: Or the more thought you put into it, it's like, there's a very, it took him a while, like a long stretch of not producing to get down to this price. And I still think he's an incredibly talented player. But like we said, the Browns are broken. And the production between him and Jarvis Landry has been like weirdly identical. I think I talked about that in the hidden stat line, that they have like the same number of targets um, and yards. And so, yeah, if you're going to go that direction, maybe take the discount with Landry. There is one guy I'm interested in is Golden Tate. Uh, We've seen he's another talented player with a bad quarterback, uh, or at least a still developing quarterback, we'll say, Uh, and who's seen like that steady target volume and he's facing the Jets. One thing that worries me a little bit about that, though, is that uh, Tate almost strictly has been playing from the slot. And the one guy in the Jets secondary who's been playing well is the slot corner, Brian Poole. Yep. And we've seen them basically get destroyed by outside receivers and not give up much production to tight ends or slot receivers. Maybe partially because kind of like what you were kind of saying earlier, like, well, why even when something is so easy, why try something that's slightly more difficult? Um, and maybe, you know, the Giants, the nature of their offense, they don't have very good outside receivers. So maybe we do see Tate. Uh, be more the focus than other teams have with their slot receiver against the Jets uh, so that's that's the one guy that in that middle range that I'm kind of looking at but otherwise yeah I think I like DJ Moore I like Christian Kirk, Jamison Crowder, Devante Parker further down the price scale.
2: Okay that's that's reasonable um, anyone even lower than that that like who are the are there any punts that you're like oh that guy is actually not so bad like I feel like there are I mean it's the same every week. It's a bunch of guys that like could go off, but having to rely on I was going to say Cole Beasley because people have been playing him in cash games, but I doubt he's getting any looks this week. But like do you have a thought on like if it's a DeMarcus Robinson week, if Mahomes plays, like who are the guys down here or are there none and you just want to stay away from it?
1: I mean, I, I think I want to stay stay away from it this week. But the two guys that I like, put on my initial list are Darius Slayton against the Jets, uh, kind of because of what we talked about and the fact that it looks seems like Sterling Shepard still getting like appointments to meet with concussion specialists. Doesn't seem like there's any reason for him to play for a team that's out of the playoff chase right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm assuming Slayton's gonna have like yet another week with 90% snap volume. On the other hand, he's been getting that for like he's four straight weeks over 80 percent of snaps running around on almost every drop back and he's averaged like i think 4.9 targets and 27 yards per game in that time he had the two touchdowns against the lions but it's it's still like it it still feels too matchup dependent for me like i would like to see someone who's been getting this much playing time getting more targets
2: for sure yeah like a decoy um who was the other guy
1: Oh, the other guy is Josh Reynolds. Mm. But that one's a little more where I'm like, okay, we've seen this guy, we've seen this guy have some big games. Um, you know, I think the, the Rams are going to throw a lot of passes in Pittsburgh. But the you we're mostly going to see Cup and Woods are going to be getting the shorter inside targets, which is what Pittsburgh usually struggles against. Uh, they've got Steven Nelson and Joe Hayden both playing very well at outside cornerback. And generally, they've been really, really tough on outside receivers this season, especially since the first couple of weeks of the year. Like Their secondary has been really good. Uh, I guess Zach Pascoe last week actually had some success. But apart from that, we haven't really seen it. Uh, so, I don't know. I It's one of those where I'm like, the price on Reynolds and the fact that he's probably going to play a ton of snaps in an offense that throws the ball out is appealing. On the other hand, I like really believe that Cooper Cup is going to have a big game and Josh Reynolds isn't. So it's, <laughs> I'm sort of like grappling with It's kind of one of those plays where I'm like, I'm doing it because of the price. And my experience with that is not great. That if I'm like, I don't really think this has any chance of happening, but it could happen and it's cheap that, that it doesn't really work out.
2: So you're not buying in on Andy Isabella.
1: <laughs> uh, he, he led the league in yards per snap last week. I'll sure say did. That. Sure did. Good.
2: I mean, with an 88, 88- a dot. How do you how do you avoid that? I guess it wasn't uh, 88 A dot. I guess it was yards per cat or per target. But
1: he uh, was, was Kyler Murray's uh, one target over 20 yards. That's it. Yeah, it was 22 yards downfield with like three broken tackles and 66 yards after catch.
2: So you don't think that's sustainable for this week?
1: <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think it's sustainable for this week. But okay. could be an interesting second half breakout candidate if they decide that if like Kingsbury wants to find like a middle ground between the first few weeks, they were like throwing vertically a lot going, relying on their wide receivers to now they're like, this totally horizontal, like running jet sweeps um, and pitch plays and screens to the running backs. If he like wants to find a middle ground, Isabella could be the guy that helps him do that. But in terms of week 10 DFS, zero interest.
2: Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, Let's head over to tight ends. Uh, We got Travis Kelsey back on the board here. $6,400 Sixty four hundred on DraftKings is the most expensive. He is the second most expensive on FanDuel, trailing Mark Andrews, who is the fourth most on uh, DraftKings. Um, I feel like there are actually a few cheaper tight ends that I don't, I didn't find myself considering the upper tier guys as much, and and really the upper tier is not even that big. I mean um we've got Kelsey, uh Austin Hooper and Mark Andrews as the three that are uh, over 5000 on DraftKings cuz Evan Ingram's been ruled out. So and I, in given those like I, I it seems like paying up for Andrews or Hooper is a waste when I feel like the guys below them are close enough. So it's really like should I pay up for Kelsey this week?
1: Yeah, I'm I couldn't I'm pretty much um, on, like, Travis Kelsey or Mike Gesicki, I think. Certainly for cash games, that's where I'm at. Um, there's maybe a couple other guys I would, like, reluctantly fit in if they work well with the tournament stack or I needed to make a certain lineup work. But, yeah, I think – and especially, like, the fan duel price of, like, Mark Andrews is the number one tight end. Like, who – I guess people will throw him in if they have Lamar Jackson, but, like, I can't – why else would you do that? He- say. Saying- <laughs> I love Mark Andrews. Like why would you see Travis Kelsey cheaper and Austin Hooper significantly cheaper and be like, yeah, I'm going to play Mark Andrews this
2: Mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. I mean, he hasn't had like a good game. I guess he was pretty good against Cincinnati, but didn't score. Uh, and so I don't, that price is, is uh, puzzling to me. Um, so you talked about Gusecki, Gusecki, excuse me. Um, The the pay down guys that I considered, uh, one was Jack Doyle, which I think is a little bit of recency bias because I played him last week, but playing against the Dolphins, like 3,600 on DraftKings, I think is fine. Um, Any thoughts on Rhett Ellison taking Evan Ingram's spot at 2,500?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, That's another one that I think maybe, I guess, is sort of, Similarly good value to Gusecki. I actually hadn't really even thought of that yet because when I first started looking, uh, I didn't realize that Ingram's injury was serious. But yeah, we've seen... I mean, Ellison's had this opportunity before last year, and I think he averaged like three and a half catches, 40 yards per game, which at 2,500 is great. Like, that's that's what you're looking for, basically. Uh, You know, three catches, 35 yards, and then you hope he gets in the end zone. Uh, I... I really like Mike Kosicki, though. That's the problem. I'm maybe not being rational here. Um, but do you ever think, think you'd say something like that? That I'm that I really like Mike Kosicki or that I'm not being rational?
2: <laughs> <laughs> the former, but
1: <laughs> well, let's say one of those things. I well, I, I I think I expected to be saying that about Mike Kosicki a year and a half ago. I didn't expect to be saying it at any point between then and like three weeks ago. And in terms of not being rational, yeah, that's just been a consistent theme throughout life.
2: How much money do you think you win with Mike Gusecki and Devontae Parker in your lineup?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, at that point, you have to throw in Ryan Fitzpatrick. You have to. And whoever's playing running back this week. How about Patrick Laird will be low-owned. There we go.
2: I have to play him, yeah. (laughs) How much is he? Let me
1: see. He's got it. (laughs) 3000 Tempting. I don't, I don't. I don't know if he's ever done anything besides special teams. I. I really don't understand what that that backfield is going to look like. Like usually, I feel like I can at least guess. Um, I've. I have no idea. Is Kalen Ballage going to get like three down, Le'Veon Bell type usage where he gets like a million touches and has like forty-five yards out of it type thing?
2: I'm not sure you can think that he gets like even if he got all of the touches forty. Like I think the realistic is like twelve
1: yeah I'm not even at his price with the possibility of like 90% snap share not that that's a guarantee by any means I have zero interest in him
2: yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so it does seem like everybody else like I, I just don't really see anyone else in a good enough situation like you probably would consider Cameron Brate at 3700 if OJ Howard wasn't coming back um, and I know that there are going to be people who are like, I'm going to go back to OJ Howard because he's 3,300 now against Arizona. Uh, I will not be doing that, um, especially if Gasikis. Gise- I can't believe I'm saying that, is $200 less. Um, but it really doesn't seem like there's like a clear, cheaper guy that everybody's going to be after, unless you think it's actually Gaseki.
1: Um, I will say that Evan Silva has been tweeting against Gesicki about Gesicki, so that's like a two percent boost in ownership mm-hmm. automatic. Yep. Um, I I I think he'll be decently owned. He's not going to be like Kelsey's going to be the highest owned, right? Or maybe Hooper.
2: Um. Probably. I, I think it's always Kelsey. Like. Because when you're looking at it, you're yeah. like, well, Hooper's yeah. in a good spot, but like you know what you're getting with Kelsey, especially if Mahomes is back. I don't know. I didn't really consider Hooper because I was like, I, I'm either going to play Kelsey or I'm going down. But maybe I'm not giving Hooper enough credit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I have not played Austin Hooper much this season. Um, I think I played him at the week they were playing the Cardinals just because the Cardinals. But yeah, it's, I am kind of like, I, I, it's taken me too long to adjust, which has definitely hurt me in terms of both like season long and DFS, like my sort of dismissing Austin Hooper has not done me any favors. Uh, but yeah, at some point it's just like you know the guy's he's a different player than he was last season. he's he's better uh, and he's also getting a lot more volume because of it. But at the same time, like yeah, that Saints defense has been so good since the first couple weeks of the season, and Tennessee's kind of been the opposite, where they started the season well and have struggled on defense since then. And Austin Hooper, for all his progress, is just not as good of a player as Travis Kelsey. His quarterback's not as good. His team's target distribution, even in the first week without Mohamed Sadu, was wide. Like Russell Gage got nine targets. Uh, they love to throw the dump offs to the running back. So yeah, I think I think Kelsey. Just He's got the floor and the ceiling, and mm-hmm. it's 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 worth paying that little bit extra for.
2: Yeah. Um, speaking of paying up a little extra for, are the Ravens worth four thousand against the Bengals?
1: Yeah, but there's I just it, it's hard for I feel like there's always a few defenses that are cheap that I really like and unless it's like one of these weeks where we have like two running back free squares, like Jalen Samuels. And then like Ezekiel Elliott tears his ACL and Tony Pollard is like an odd, you know what I mean? Like in those, i will pay up 4,000 for defense, but otherwise I just don't really find that it fits into my like optimal lineup construction. Um, But yeah, is the Ravens defense going to do well against a rookie fourth round pick quarterback, making his first start with a questionable supporting cast and, Bottom three in the NFL offensive line? I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be, I think it's not going to be the prettiest game. I, I'm a little, little thinking it might be like a kind of a lower scoring game. So I don't love the Ravens offensive players this week. So I don't, don't know exactly why I think that. Maybe just because of the last game between these teams. Uh, but yeah, I tend to just, I think there's good value to be had further down the price scale this week. So I just don't see my lineups having the Ravens defense. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm
2: uh i i struggled to build a lineup that i liked without uh or with excuse me with a high-priced defense like i think the saints uh would be fine if ryan didn't play um uh, obviously the colts home against miami at 3500 is i think is perfectly fine but you're right there the ones as you move down the list become a little bit um a little bit interesting at least um and obviously if you're paying up for mccaffrey That's money that you're not spending on defense. Uh, Who was the cheapest one that jumped out at you?
1: The cheap one that jumped out at me is the Browns. uh, 2,500 on DraftKings home against against the Bills. Kind of like a classic bad defense versus bad offense matchup. Uh, You look at the game has the lowest implied total, 40 points of the week. And the Browns are three-point favorites, although I'm— I don't know that I would consider the Browns three point favorites. I'm a little confused about that. Like, as much as I think I've consistently doubted the Bills and thought that they've been, like, largely their success has been a product of a soft schedule combined with, like, crazy luck in terms of opponents missing field goals uh, and just all kinds of fluky stuff like that. It's like they still have managed to win games and the Browns have just been consistently bad since September. Uh, But, you know, when you're looking at 2,500 in a home game against Josh Allen, it's just like, yeah, I'll take it. Like there's, there's huge upside there.
2: Yeah. I, I, I I definitely see that read. The one that I usually pick defenses based off opposing quarterbacks and um, not like, are they going to give up a lot of points, but more like who are the guys who I think can turn the ball over. And which is why I scarily went down to 2200 to play the Cardinals who are playing at Tampa Bay. And it's like Winston hasn't had a bad game in a while. Uh, not that like he's solved his turnover issues, but um, I don't know. It's like I, I tend to just target quarterbacks when it comes to um, defenses, which like all defense, it has like, you know, extremely variant returns. Um, but it just didn't seem like anybody on the lower end. I do like that Cleveland um, call just because, yeah, like that's it. Josh Allen, like. But other than that, like, I don't trust the Miami defense if Hoyer starts. Um, and then I'm not going to take the Titans against Mahomes or the Bengals against Lamar. And so, and probably not the Falcons against Breeze. Whereas, like, I don't mind playing against Jameis Winston all that much at 2200. Is that just a waste of money?
1: <laughs> no, I, lo- I love it. Um, actually, as someone like, as I've I've been doing the streaming defense column on RotoWire wire for, I think, three or four years now Um, and I have always like track the results of those recommendations and I've always paid done I do the team defense projections and play pay really close attention to that stuff Uh, and yeah I can tell you like the strength of the defense is not as important as the quality of the opponent quarterback, like the thing you want to find number one is either quarterbacks who have very little experience or quarterbacks who have an established track record of high sack rates and high interception rates. And Jameis Winston among like, you know, long term starters is like the number one or two guy in
0: terms yeah.
1: of and interception rate. Like He's just even when he plays well, he still shows a tendency to turn the ball over, tendency to take sacks. So, yeah, you're, you know, the Cardinals defense is not not good. No one's going to try to make that argument. It's maybe been a little bit less disgraceful the last few weeks. <laughs> uh, although Jimmy Garoppolo did totally light them up. Yep. Uh, they've been a little better against the run the past few weeks. Uh, which, hey, maybe that, you know, maybe we see Jameis Winston throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. But if he takes two sacks and turns it over twice... Boom, we're fine with that. We don't care if they give up some points. Yeah, worrying worrying about the points allowed in term for the defenses, it really is not important. Um, I I do use like the implied totals are also tend to be a good estimate for like turnover and sack potential. So I use them in that regard, but I don't really care about how many points they actually give up. Like the difference between giving up seventeen points and thirty points is like what? It's like a two point fantasy swing, right?
2: Right. Yeah. It's
1: not unless the shutout is really the only thing that matters.
2: Yep. And I don't think, I mean, that happens so rarely that.
1: Right. It's not worth, it's right. not worth like cal- considering in any calculation. Yeah. Right,
2: right. You're better off trying to project defensive touchdowns than you are shutouts. Like, yeah, that's all I need. Just a Jameis pick six. That's that alone. They could give up 50 points after that. I don't care, but the pick six will help. Um, <clears throat> all right. Anybody we left out, that you wanted to discuss?
1: I think we pretty much covered it. Like I'm, I've got my my full list here, and I don't think, yeah, I think we pretty much went up and down. Uh, the guys that I have highlighted.
2: Perfect. All right. Anybody wants to uh, follow up with Jerry? You can find him on Twitter at rotowire NFL underscore JD. I'm at rotowire Andrew. Um, Jerry has a plethora of articles on the site each week. Um, the hidden stat com and the streaming defenses we obviously discussed already he does the uh, weekly start sit as well and i feel like i'm forgetting one
1: dfs tournament guy. well
2: i was getting there but i thought there was another one but anyway yes the dfs tournament guy which comes out uh every friday uh that is just what it is it helps you uh in gpps primarily on DraftKings, although it does a, a special fan duel section as well so jerry thank you uh for all of that and good luck this weekend